<clears throat> Your attention, please. This episode was brought to you by Cards Against Humanity, who have asked, asked us n- not to read an ad. Read one anyway! No, no, it's okay. Enjoy the show. Okay, I'm taking your caffeine away now. <laughs> yeah, it's the caffeine, everybody. Uh, my name <laughs> is David Flora. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you are a toddler in a candy store. Thanks. That is shoplifting the candy. <laughs> That's kicking candy. I don't. Oh, I don't care to yeah. eat it. I just want to destroy it. <laughs> and and I am, I am the bustling store owner, Dave Stecco, just trying to keep order in here. That's right. Uh, welcome to Blurry Photos. Yep. Welcome to summertime. Summertime. And the ghost stories. It doesn't feel easy. I'm going to not feel... I've got a pointy stick. You do. He is menacing me, and it's on video. So uh, this is our live summertime campfire ghost stories. Usually we do it in July, but we wanted to make sure we get it done like awesome and in a new manner. So we are recording this live in my backyard, campfire uh, for our Patreon backers. They are watching this happen live. Uh, So shout-outs to everyone who is doing that. Hi! Uh, uh, in particular, uh, shout-outs to Grey Cat Fancy Feast for also having a shared love of mystery men. Uh, shout-out to Corinne for never cleaning up her act. She's a dirty <laughs> bird. She don't care who knows it. Uh, shout-outs to Dark Mark Soloff. We're going to go into that more in a little bit. I, I guess shout-outs for everybody. Uh, Flora. <laughs> Uh, Hi. just anyone ask for a shout out right now. You're going to get it. Oh my gosh. We we're, we've got a live chat set up so yeah. you can hear the, the crickets. Yeah. You can hear the fire. Usually those are just emotional when we tell bad jokes, but these are real ones. That's right. Who wants a shout out? Lomas Bones. Lomas Bones. Shouts. Sarah's a quark. Sarah's a quark gets a shout Playboy out. Katie. Graham. Graham. Everybody gets a shout out. Shout out. Sarin says Oprah shout outs. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to Stella Robichaux. You get a shout out. And you get a shout Bodekins. out to Stella Shout out to shout outs to Stella Robichaux. <laughs> Mr. Jones, aka Puffs of Light Ghost. I imagine that right now she's in Tuscany, eating, praying, and loving. <laughs> <laughs> Traveling with her ants. <laughs> oh, oh, Puffs of Light Ghosts. Yeah. Everybody, Lord, everybody's Lord in. It's, the beats. We're having a good time. So, so far tonight, we have recorded the outro. Yep. Yeah. Even though uh, you don't get it first, we like it first. We, so we do we it still first. Do it first. So, so we get it how so we can want affo- it. Inform the rest of that the episode. That doesn't make you angrier. <laughs> also, um, we've been drinking. So have have had this. Had some you know drinks. what? Huh? This m- this may count as a drunk episode because I'm there. Are you? Yeah. I'm just I'm just feeling fancy. Oh, I just feel fancy. I don't yeah, no, feel. You keep menacing. Buzzed. We are. We're also roasting marshmallows on the fire. And Flora's, Flora's been menacing me with his skewer. <laughs> yeah, knock, knock, knock it off. Yeah, we we're in the great outdoors. This is this is very much an experiment, and we're happy to have you along with us. Yeah, hope you enjoy. We've got some 
Stephen Asterisk Ghost Stories to Read. Dave, what's that asterisk say? Uh, that we're the ones having fun. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> he's right. He's right. Yeah. Well, he's right. I am not, I'm not <laughs> lying. Uh, you know what's great? Uh, Me? It is. No, I was just going to say, literally, we. it's such a, a fun, and, and, and now it's a, 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 unfortunately, a rare treat that we get to record in the same place, the same time. It's true. Yeah. Flora uh, can just, just whip me with that goddamn skewer whenever he wants. <laughs> oh, how I miss these days. <laughs> oh, my gosh. As though I wasn't the one constantly torturing you right. by throwing shit at your balls. Hey, there's a helicopter. Let's wait a second. What were we What were we talking about? <laughs> uh, so we were we, talking about it's fun that we get to record together. It's fun oh, that that's everyone's right. yeah, here so. live. Uh, we've got oh oh there was an asterisk after fun I don't I don't know no, what it you, was for no you filled it you filled it in oh perfect fun for us but um, uh, we we've got some we've got stories picked out we've never done anything like this and so far so good yeah amazingly all right so let's let's do I think we've covered enough en- enough uh, pre biz let's get to the straight biz yeah are we good D- uh, yeah let's just. Let's go on and tell some stories. Okay. There'll be some business at the end. Oh, so um, much great great business, though. Good business. Very good business. It's huge business. The biggest you'll, business. You'll get so tired of how much business there is. You'll biznazzed of the business. God, that, that worked. What's the first story called? Okay. Let me get it uh, Let me get it pulled up here. Let's see. Oh, I, I feel good about my choices this year. Good. You know, a lot of times we're like, oh. Got stories that are pretty good. Oh, they're so terrible. Uh, these these have uh, some decency about them. <laughs> Yours do. Mine, maybe. I don't. I I'll, I mean, it, it should surprise no one. I it, decency is not the mark of quality in my world. All right, here's what we got to do. I've got to hold the lantern. Oh yeah, here. Di- did you dial it up? This one. Is your arm gonna get tired? I'm. I'm not. It's just to, for the title. Oh, okay. I didn't know. That's the rules <laughs> that we never discussed. <laughs> this one's called Moonlight Madness. <laughs> a few years ago, when I was still in university, I started dating a girl named Jessica. Mmm, sounds hot. Oh, she right, wait. was... Is this story told from the perspective from a uh, 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 sentient rabbit? Well, it doesn't say. Yeah, it just says stuff about dip. I don't know, Dave. You I know don't what know. happens if you can't stop laughing. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. I started dating a girl named Jessica. She was beautiful. Hot. Intelligent mm. and funny. Ooh. In that order. Okay. <laughs> she seemed to be... Perfect, and I couldn't find a thing wrong with her. Believe me, I tried. Because <laughs> I got, I got some problems. You can blame my mom. You can blame me. I don't know. During the summer, my girlfriend invited me to visit her at her parents' house. Her mother was a nurse and worked the night shift. She told me her father had been sick for years and was unable to work. He had become a recluse and spent most of his time locked up in the attic room. Jessica hardly ever saw him. When I arrived at her house, I met Jessica and her mother. We ate dinner together, but her father didn't join us. They took a plate of food upstairs and left it outside the attic door. Weird, right? Soup's weird. 
That night, I slept in Jessica's bedroom. Oh. And she slept downstairs in the living room. That's a little rude. You don't come into somebody's house and take their bed. I lay in bed, reading a book for a while, then turned off the light and went to sleep. In the middle of the night, I was awoken by a strange noise. I heard something moving in the room. It took a few moments for my eyes to adjust to the darkness, but I could just make out a hunched figure sitting in the chair by the door. Its hand was moving up and down, back and forth, and I could hear a voice muttering, Go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. 241, 242, 243, 244. I was so shocked and frightened that I, I couldn't think clearly. I immediately opened the window and climbed out onto the garage roof. Then I dropped down to the ground and started frantically knocking on the living room window. Jessica pulled back the curtains, and when she saw the look on my face, she opened the window and let me in. It, it took the look on my face for her to, to do this. Why wouldn't she just open the, you know, okay. I told her what I had seen upstairs. At first, she didn't take me seriously, saying it, it must have been my imagination. I kept insisting that my eyes hadn't been playing tricks on me. Maybe it was my father, she said. I didn't want to tell you before, but he has mental problems. Sometimes he gets up in the middle of the night and wanders around. We decided to go upstairs and find out what was going on. When I opened the door and stepped out into the hall, I stumbled over something that was lying on the floor. When I looked down, I saw something I will never be able to forget as long as I live. It was the body of Jessica's mother. Just her body. Her head was gone. On the floor beside her, there was a bloody meat cleaver. Oh my God, I cried out. When Jessica saw it, she let out an anguished scream and burst into tears. I didn't stop to think. I just grabbed her by the arm and dragged her out the front door. Together not, we not the window. Via, I guess to each their own. the roof. Together we ran to the house next door and called the police. Minutes later, a patrol car pulled up outside, and two police officers got out. With their guns drawn, they went into the house and climbed the stairs. When they cautiously opened the door to Jessica's bedroom and switched on the light. Their eyes were met by an unforgettable sight. Jessica's father was sitting in the chair by the door. Between his knees, he held his wife's severed head, and he was still happily counting. 536, 537, 538, as he plucked out the hairs one by one. Yeah, that worked out. Nice, nice. That's Moonlight a, madness. That's a that's a better story than I expected. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That had unexpected things in it. I thought he was going to be brushing her hair. Nope, doing the old uh, um, cleave and pick. <laughs> yep, you know how it is when you got a cleave and pick. You know how it is when you cleave and pick. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all got that cleave and pick? Mm-hmm. Dear Penthouse. <laughs> I think I think 
uh, it's fun to put Dear Penthouse at the beginning of all these stories. <laughs> we well remember, did, yeah, we did the that. very first time. We did uh, we did ghost stories. We were like, we man, read, didn't we read like the first few sentences in a sexy voice? It, well, it, we were like, every story, if you read it in a sexy voice, kind of sounds like a homoerotic story. Or I just bet. erotic. It doesn't have to be homo. I mean, I don't know how you're I, taking it. We've but. we've come a long way in five years. It's true. The world has. It's well. Uh, oh, there it is. <laughs> 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 Not so much. <sighs> Ooh, that was a spooky one. That was a that was a that was a spicy tamale. I liked it. Oh yeah. All right. All right. What do, what do you got uh, there? <laughs> There's nothing nothing to follow that up. Uh, you know, if there's a theme to the stories that I have, it's just that like, like, why did you even bother is the theme to my stories. Like, and well, is that in general or just like writing in not, not in the writing of it, but like in the characters of these stories. Okay. All right. So this story is called the cursing of Colonel Buck. And I'm telling you, there was a story that was so intrinsically horrifyingly oh, yeah. racist that they would just, because uh, at first I was like, oh, this will be funny because it's this week. No, it wasn't funny. Just no. couldn't do it. The curse <laughs> in a Colonel Angus. Yeah, <laughs> Colonel Angus. All right. Now, Colonel Buck was not what you'd call the most virtuous man in town. No, sir. He had an eye for the ladies, did Colonel Buck, and he would chase them till he got what he wanted. Troubling wink. Ass. Then he would drop them like a hot brick. Well, Colonel Buck has a pretty maid working for him. It weren't long before he started noticing her, and she, poor lass, started looking back. One thing led to another, don't you know, and one day Colonel Buck turned out his pretty maid, seeing as she was unmarried and in the family way. Knowing wink. <laughs> oh, it's a winking culture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now, that pretty lass... Um, most of this is written in. <laughs> Very little am I adding to this. Well, now, that pretty lass had a deformed baby boy, and she had a hard time making ends meet with a growing son. She began putting pressure on old Colonel Buck to take responsibility for the boy. Well, Colonel Buck weren't having none of that. He began putting it all about town that this lassie was really a witch. I've got a, I've got big lungs. <laughs> and a good sense of moral outrage. Well, rumors spread and spread, as rumors do. The townsfolk became afeard of the lass, and one day they grabbed the woman and brought her before Colonel Buck. He condemned her to death for sorcery and had her burned at the stake. Like you do. <laughs> the year was 1968. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. <laughs> the woman shouted a curse at the colonel as she burned, swearing that he would always bear the mark of this injustice. You'll always bear the mark of this injustice! <laughs> for the... For the... For the... 
uh, for the record, this is called a main spooky story. I've just chosen the accents of my own accord. Oh my god! Yeah. How did you How did you choose that over? Well, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Well, that Connell Park. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll do it again. I don't know. <laughs> Her poor young son was forced to watch his mother being burned as a witch. When one of his mother's legs fell from her burning body, he broke away from the crowd, ran forward to pick up the leg and fled. It was the only piece of his mother he had left to bury. Good lord. Yeah. After Colonel (laughs) Buck's death, a grand tombstone was erected in his honor. A few weeks later, a strange discoloration began to form on the stone. It was a picture of a woman's leg. The reminder of the woman and her curse embarrassed the people of Bucksport. (laughs) Now we're naming names. (laughs) I'm glad I already mentioned that it was in Maine. They had the stone thrown out to sea, but the stone was washed ashore. The image of the leg still branded upon it. The town leaders had the stone smashed to bits and they put a new tombstone on Colonel Buck's grave. But the image of the leg reappeared on the new stone and could not be removed. It remains there to this very day, a reminder of a poor girl who was robbed of her innocence and later her life by Colonel Buck. Bong wee! Where'd it go? That was just bong. No. That was true. Try it again. Try that again. Bong wee! Yeah, that was better. Okay. First of all, the fact that the kid was deformed had nothing to do with anything. (laughs) Second of all, Colonel Buck never paid any price whatsoever for what he did. In fact, he got a town named after him. Yeah. Bucksport. And the worst that happened is that the taxpayers had to buy him a new f***ing headstone. (laughs) This is not a cautionary tale. Wow. Yeah, so there you go. The horror is f***ing suburbia. So the worst that happened was that tombstones were haunted by a ghost leg? Yeah. Yeah, this kid was just like, hey, free leg. (laughs) Terrifying. Right. Oh, my. (laughs) Some say, Carl. Colonel Buck's name is mod to this very day. That's the best accent I got. F*** it. Come, come at me, bro. I don't know what you want from me. I didn't go to Juilliard. <laughs> that leg shows up from time to time, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you see it on the back of the fishing boat, trawling for lobsters. Best just to throw it back in. <laughs> Sometimes it flops up on the deck. Best just to throw it back in. Cut your losses. <laughs> That's about when you know it's time to head home for the day. Just a part of being a lobsterman. <laughs> You're going to get some leg. Like that shoe yokai. Right. All right, all right. Wow, Colonel Buck. Yeah, Colonel Buck Angus. I was going to be a little more racist, so I'm happy with how it landed. So, <laughs> Listen, I, I already tried the racist story. I had to edit it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> huh? I mean, by tried, I mean just read it and was like, no thanks. Right. All right, uh, let's see. Got one called Camp Killer. What? I hope, what happens? Is, I feel like the title is also the last sentence. Shut up. 
There was a young boy named Mac Tolliver. <laughs> he lived. Was he big? Was he big? Big Mac. Tolliver. <laughs> what a dumb, dumb joke. <laughs> he was big, and he had uh, special. He sauce. was very. He was very hyperactive because he was Tolliver the place. It's <laughs> all right. He lived with his mother and father in an old mansion on the edge of a forest. The family was wealthy, and they owned a lot of land. Oh. Hashtag humble, humble lore brag. <laughs> However, as time went by, the family fell on hard times, and the parents were forced to sell their land to some property developers. The young boy loved playing in the forest, and he didn't want his parents to sell it. When the deal went through... The young boy was furious with his parents, and he went out of his mind. (laughs) One dark night, he crept into his parents' bedroom and murdered them with a knife. Knife murder. Their bodies were found by the police a few days later. They were hanging from the ceiling with their throats slit from ear to ear. Whoa. On the wall, there was a message written in their blood. It read... You shouldn't have sold the land. And it was signed, Mac Tolliver. The boy was never seen or heard from again. A few years later, the developers turned the land into a summer camp. The mansion where the Tolliver family had lived was still standing, but over the years it had become dilapidated and it was now abandoned. The first summer it opened, two of the campers went missing. The camp counselors organized two search parties to go out into the woods and search for them. Eventually, the missing campers were found, but it was a horrifying scene. What? They were hanging by their necks from the branches of a tree. Well, their throat's intact. And their throats had been sliced. Shit. How far? From ear to ear. Damn it. There was a wooden board nailed to the tree above them with a message written on it, written in blood. It was the message as, we got us a serial killer. It read... I know this M.O. <laughs> what? The message said that? Yeah. No. All of it. No. It was written by CSI. No. It was written by the murderer, and it read, stay off my land, no trespassing. And it was signed, Mac Tolliver. The next summer... The camp was still open. Around the campfire, the camp counselors told the story of Mac Tolliver and how he murdered his family. All the kids were terrified. Huh? There was one kid that summer who everyone liked to pick on. He was a quiet, shy kid named Cameron, and the others always made him the butt of their jokes. The camp counselors decided to play a prank on the kids. After telling the story of what happened all those years ago in the house, they made an announcement. That night, they would take the campers one by one and make them walk through the old mansion. You're getting you're getting your haunted mansion badge. Yeah, no sh. But this took this took a turn for another story. <laughs> they were like, and uh, also here comes a crystal ball. <laughs> Two of the counselors named Dave and Steve. Could they be Dave and David? Two of the counselors named Dave and David. <gasps> ah! 
were going to take the campers to the house. Cameron said he was too scared, but they told him he had to go. He was the first one picked. Well, it's time to go. It's time to go. Steve. Chupa Chupa Cobra go. <laughs> uh, David took Cameron with him, and they walked off towards the mansion. Everybody else stayed by the campfire and got shot. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> That's no good. Everybody stayed by the campfire and waited their turn. They waited and waited, but Steve and Cameron never came back. All they heard was the sorry. sound of heavy panting. <laughs> sorry, forget that we changed Steve. They waited and waited, but David and Cameron never came back. Uh-oh. After an hour of waiting, they began to get impatient and fussy. Uh-oh, no one likes a fussy camper. Dave decided to take all of the other campers with him and check out what was going on. Campers, to me! <laughs> we shall storm the mansion! <laughs> when they arrived at the old mansion, they didn't see David or Cameron anywhere. The place was eerily silent. Just then, they heard a noise. Thump. 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 <coughs> It was David and the other camp camper. Seven minutes in heaven. It was coming from upstairs. Dave told the kids he was going to go up and investigate. He told them to stay behind, but they insisted on going with him. Like a Scooby-Doo mystery? They went upstairs together in single file. When they reached the second floor, the noise grew louder. Thump. 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 Like... Yoinks! It seemed to be coming from the room at the end of the hallway. Knock first, guys. That was the bedroom where Mac Tolliver had murdered his parents. What? They walked cautiously down the hallway, and when they came to the bedroom door, they could hear another noise. Drip. 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 <laughs> Dave reached out, turned the knob, and slowly opened the door. When it swung open and they saw what was in the room, everyone screamed in horror. David was hanging by the neck from a rope. His face was purple. His eyes were bulging out of his head and his tongue was thrust out of his mouth. His lifeless body was swaying back and forth and his shoes kept hitting the wall. Thump, thump, thump. His throat had been cut open and the blood was dripping down onto the floor. Drip. Drip, drip. On the wall behind him, scrawled in blood, was a message. It read, Seven minutes in <laughs> I'm back. And it was signed, Cam Revelot. Oh, get that part. Mac Tolliver. Backwards. Oh my god. Boom, wing. I don't know why he wrote it backwards, but... Uh, uh, at that point, he, uh, he'd gone through the transformation. He, he, he was he the was, dragon now. He was the, the, the opposite, but still a killer. <laughs> but he was doing everything the exact same as before, so the, the differences are hard to parse out just uh, from, from one additional murder. I mean, did could it, could it just be Cam? Uh, why does it have to be a whole camera? And and why was there a haunted mansion? There was an addition. That was, it was an unnecessary that that was was like, camp. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I still enjoyed it. There you go. All right. 
I've got a pretty good one here for you. All right. Yeah, this <laughs> this one's called Telltale Seaweed. Two sisters were motoring through Cape Cod. <laughs> wow. Two sisters were motoring. I can't Jeez. do it. I can't. Two sisters were motoring, motoring through Cape Cod. Era. Two sisters were motoring through Cape Cod tonight. One late and stormy night in the early 1900s. I just want to keep singing. Yeah. Uh, so two sisters were motoring through Cape Cod one stormy night in the early 1900s when their car broke down in an unpopulated area. Seeing an old neglected house nearby, right right next to the old haunted, uh, haunted house trope, <laughs> they went to the door and tugged the bell pull. Uh, early 1900s, sure. Okay. When no one answered, they looked through a nearby window whose shutter was banging in the bitter wind. The window was broken. Through the window, they could see the library. The dust lay heavy over everything. Not just dust. The dust. The dust. The women decided to take shelter for the night and find someone to tow the car the next day. They brought blankets in from the car, their feet leaving tracks in the thick dust on the floor. The thick dust. As they settled in for the night, I haven't been hoisting the lantern. Remedy that, son. Sometime later, they were both suddenly awakened. A bedraggled sailor, dripping wet, was standing next to the fireplace, as if he were looking to dry himself before a non-existent fire. The sailor was glowing in the dark. The braver of the sisters finally called out a strangled, Who is there? Who is that? Strangled. The sailor muttered something about dead men tell no tales. They could not make it out. And then the sailor disappeared. <laughs> I made up most of that sentence. Oh. Well, it just sounds like a Disney ghost. Uh, the sailor muttered something they could not make out and disappeared. Deciding it was a dream, the sisters lay back down to sleep. But the next morning, they found a patch of wet salt water by the fireplace and a piece of seaweed. There were no footprints in the dust by the fireplace, save their own. The sisters hurried out to their car. Soon they were given a tow to the nearest village by a passing motorist. There, they asked about the abandoned house. They were told the house had been empty for years. The people who owned it had a son who was driven from home by his father and drowned at sea. The family had moved away because they claimed strange things kept happening at night. Well, a few months later, one of the sisters told her tale at a dinner party. A museum curator seated near her volunteered to test the seaweed for her. The curator sent her a message several days later. The message simply said that the seaweed she had found in the abandoned house was a rare type of seaweed only found on dead bodies. What? Bong-wing! Bong-wing! There it is. Yeah. So there was like Let's uh, make up science for this yeah. scary story. <laughs> yeah, what how how did that make it scary? Oh, by the way, this is corpse seaweed. It, it's, it's seaweed that only grows on dead bodies. <laughs> this is soldier corn. Soldier <laughs> corn. <laughs> yeah. So but what's important is that they did the science. That's important for everybody. Yep. Gotta yep. do that science. Yep. 
All right. Um, let's see here. Got a story here called Nobody. What? We well, who's in it? Well, guess you'll find out, son. Damn, son. Damn, son. I hope we haven't read this one before. Kind of sounds familiar. I hope it is. There was an old man that who was also familiar. an alcoholic. Yep. No, wait, that's my life. Every morning when the local bar opened, he would go inside and order a drink. He wouldn't emerge until closing time, drunk and disoriented. <laughs> then he would stagger home and fall into bed. One rainy, windy night, the old man was on his way home and decided to take a shortcut through an alley. A gust of wind blew a tile off a roof just as he was walking by. The tile hit him on the head, smashed into tiny pieces. The man was knocked to the ground. As he struggled to his feet, clutching his aching head, he looked up. Who did that? He asked out loud. Sons of bitches! The wind whistled through the alley, and he thought he heard a faint voice whisper. The man turned around quickly. The alley was dark and deserted. Nobody was there. Yeah, that's right. Who said that? He demanded. Nobody replied. The old man continued down the alley, craning his neck and looking around him furtively. Keeps craning. People are going to think he's a mothman. Shadows flickered across the stone walls. Who's there? He shouted. (laughs) Nobody heard him. His pace quickened and fear gripped his heart. He had the sneaking feeling that somebody was following him. A chill went down his spine as he began to run. Suddenly, he slipped on something, stumbled and fell to his knees. Who tripped me? He cried. Nobody answered. Through the wind and the rain, he thought he could hear somebody breathing heavily. The sounds seemed to be very close. He scrambled to his feet and shouted, Keep away from me! Don't come near! Nobody listened to his cries. Desperately, the old man felt around in the darkness. His hand came across a piece of wood lying on the ground. It was thick and heavy and had a long, rusty nail sticking out of it. Picking it up, He started swinging it back and forth. Get back, he screamed. Get away from me! He lashed out at the darkness, using the length of wood like a club. He accidentally swung the piece of wood too hard and hit himself in the head. The force of the blow drove the rusty nail right into his brain and killed him. The next day, two policemen were walking their beat when they came across the dead body of the old man lying in the gutter. Who would have killed him? Asked one of the policemen, thinking out loud. The wind whistled through the alley, and he thought, and he thought he heard a faint voice whisper. <sighs> Bong! That was the best one yet. Yeah, I, I went to town on that. Was a really good one. What did you think of Nobody? I liked it. I did like it. It's a tale of addiction delusion 
and ultimate self-destruction. It is not only a psychological parable, but also a chilling description of the actual risks of alcohol addiction. Oh. Yeah. I just thought it was fun when it killed himself. <laughs> remember when it was... It was kind of freaky when remember, the wind talked. Remember when, remember when the ghost was a pervert? <laughs> I do. This story is called... Milk Bottles. Oh! <laughs> Terrifying. This story is lactose intolerant. <laughs> All right. You guys ready? Just because it's important to whoever's putting these together, it's important that you know that this is a California ghost story. It's a West Coast liberal ghost story. I want to hear a California accent. She was just another poor bedraggled woman. Jenna. 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 Flora and oh I <laughs> invented the worst characters in the world, and it was Flora's Becca. What was my name? Jenna. Jenna. Becca and Jenna in the beer section of the store <laughs> getting super excited about the about a pumpkin spice latte beer. Jenna. Like that. Oh, my God. Becca. Jenna. Becca, we should totally just drink this. Jenna. Forever. Can you believe? I put this in a bath. Jenna. Uh, is that sexist? Jenna. I don't know. Nothing matters anymore. Uh, do you want me to commit to that voice? No. Okay, thank you. And then everyone else thanks you. She was just another poor bedraggled woman, struggling to feed her family. He saw them all the time, their faces careworn and blank. The depression had created hundreds of them, technically thousands. He was one of the lucky ones who still had his grocery and money coming in to feed his family. She came one day to his shop carrying two empty milk bottles and wordlessly placed them on the counter in front of him. He took the empties and replaced them with full bottles saying, Ten cents, please! Because he was a real dick. (laughs) She did not reply. She just took the bottles and left the shop. He might have gone after her to demand his money or call the police, but he did neither, or neither. Her need was in her face, and he always felt a little guilty at being one of the lucky ones with money and a job. She was probably one of the migrant workers, he decided. She was back the next day with two empty milk bottles. He replaced them with full bottles and watched as she hurried out the door. She looked so worried that he wondered if she had a job at all. If she came back, he would offer her a part-time position cleaning the store. She came again the next morning and exchanged her empty bottles for full without saying a word. He tried to talk to her to ask her if she wanted a job, but she practically ran from the store with the milk. Her urgency worried him. He followed, wondering what he could do to help, and also wondering, who's minding the shop? (laughs) To his surprise, she hid it away from the migrant camp outside of town. She went instead to the graveyard by the river. As he watched, she hurried up to a stone marker, then disappeared into the ground. He rubbed his eyes in disbelief. Like everyone who's ever been in a hokey movie uh, since uh, the Depression. Uh, yeah. Oh? He then heard the muffled cry of a baby. It was coming from the ground underneath the stone marker where the woman had disappeared. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> that is haunting. That's the haunting part. <laughs> he ran back to the store and phoned the police. Within minutes, the graveyard was swarming with people, and the workers started digging up the grave. When the casket was opened, the store owner saw the woman 
who had visited his store lying dead within it. In her arms, she held a small baby and two full milk bottles. The baby was still alive. Bong wing! <laughs> Bong wing! <laughs> so there you go. That is the tale of terror called Milk Bottles. Why don't you stay in your coffin? So uh, at the insurance company I work at, when you clock out at the end of the day, you have to select end duty, uh, which is funny because of duty. But I, <laughs> I've slowly started to make up a more and more an elaborate song where I click it and I go, end duty, Judy, she's my elegant lady and she sets me free. And it gets louder and louder because I'm at the very end. Of, like, I work till 10 o'clock. There's no one else working by the time I'm leaving, so I can get really loud. But I always sing the song, an ode to end duty Judy. <laughs> Sounds like a uh, Tom Jones song or something. Probably. End duty Judy. This one goes out to that belly. <laughs> I, did, I did write a, a filthy rap version for my last day that I was in training that had something about... At the end of my duty, I clock out of my computer and I start clocking into that sweet booty Judy. <laughs> that was that was filthy and fun. You know what I'd like to hear now? What's that? I'd like to hear a perm. Wait, what? I want to hear what's going on in Livestream Town. Um, For those who are just so f***ing stalwart that they are they are sticking it out. They're still well, here with us. We uh, we have been labeled really bad at fire. What are you talking about? Um, that fire is awesome. Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> the different shepherd. Motherfucker. Jeez. I'll f***ing kill you. I'll find you and I'll get... Is this being recorded? Corinne says, which state has the smallest soft drinks? What? Which state has the smallest soft drinks? Is that a riddle? Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Minnesota. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Oh, the uh, real answer is none. We have diabetes. Somebody, let's see, who is this? Somebody says, Buffett. Oh! <laughs> that somebody was dark, Mark Soloff. Tip Buffett. of the hat. All right, uh, I'm not drunk enough. Sorry. What? Oh, I'm going to get re-drunk. I have a poem to round us out. Oh, sweet. Round us out with a poem. We've been streaming for about uh, two, two and a half hours now. Really? That's pretty, bo- that's pretty baller, son. Yeah. All right. Uh, the poem I have selected for this campfire ghost story episode uh-huh. is entitled "Cute Little Girls." Yeah, tell, you gotta tell me more. I wish Mark was here right now so he he could uh, do it right. So he he could do uh, Ion Theater with, with, with Dom Dom, Dom DeMello. You gotta get those girls. You gotta, you gotta get them when they're young, right? cute little girls. You gotta, you gotta make sure they understand that there's no hope. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Three cute little girls, each smiling sweetly, brushed their teeth and combed their hair neatly. They crawled into bed and said good night. Then their mother switched off the light. The meter's great in this. Just keep, keep it up. Okay. Mother and father were planning a date. Dinner and dancing would keep them out late. What? They hired a girl with hair long and blonde 
to watch the kids while they weren't around? Around. The sitter said, goodbye, go have a ball, and went to the kitchen to make a phone call. She ordered two pizzas, two extra larges, and headed upstairs to check on her charges. Tell them larges marges sent you. When she got to the bedroom, something was wrong. What? The sound of chanting and a strange whispered song. The girls snapped upright and threw back the sheets. Now was the time to stop being so sweet. And smell our feet. They leaped on top of the poor babysitter, pulled out her hair, and kicked her, and bit her. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. That's pretty good. They tied her with ropes and dragged her upstairs and chained her to some old, broken chairs. The three little girls played a wicked game, calling things from afar that have no name. In the attic, they drew a five-pointed star, a nine-horned goat, and a woman with scars. What's worse? Then, holding hands, they recited a curse to summon into our pale universe a creature that preys on our innermost fears, a thing that lay dormant for many long years. If this, this had better be, uh, uh, Cthulhu. The attic walls vanished, the darkness crawled in. A creature emerged that craved human skin. <clears throat> a sound like wind and vast wings being spread. The girls gave a name to this nameless dread. It's not time for bed, and it's not time for tea, the cute little girls chanted with glee. Mother dwells in between her world and ours, and holds back the things from beyond the stars. Now, screamed the girls, you trembling coward, you shall have the honor of being devoured. Just think of how happy and joyful you'll be in the belly of a demon for all eternity. That won't be, though. The thing grabbed the throat of the poor babysitter and silenced her screams as its claws did slitter. Then the creature dragged her to its resting place, somewhere outside of time beyond space. It tore her flesh with teeth without number and retired for another year's slumber. The cute little girls thought it was nice that the demon enjoyed tonight's sacrifice. Boing! That was a really good one. That was a great poem. Pretty good. That's why you don't trust little girls. Very Lovecraftian, huh? Very Lovecraftian. Didn't, Craft didn't mean to be. Well, yeah. At a thousand different points that could have yep. gone there. So there you go. Oh. That, that's going to poem us out yeah. and, and end us out on this campfire ghost stories. <laughs> a strong addition, I feel. Yeah. This was a great round of campfire ghost stories, not only for the surroundings, for the live cast, for doing out, out in nurture, for pissing off my neighbors, f***ing off their, their, their poor dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> Hope your Waldorf salad tastes better now. <laughs> no, those are pretty nice folks. It's the ones beside him. No, you know, my neighbors let us let me get away with with almost literal murder. I sit in my backyard and throw knives and no one cares. They think it's charming. So whatever. Yeah. Which we got to do tomorrow, by the way. Yeah, that's true. I need some practice. Right. No, you don't. That's the whole point. (laughs) Here, 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 here. 
I hope the audio is going to turn out okay. It, Me too. It, it might be murderous to listen to, but it's we had fun. Yeah, it was a new experiment. We're always we're always looking to try new stuff, and I'm glad that we we did it. Sometimes yeah. we talk about doing stuff we don't quite get there. So that is true. That is true. That's pretty much often. Yeah. I think that'll do it then for campfire ghost stories. Yeah. In a very crickety, <laughs> persnickety, persnickety, colored flamity, uh, bomb hoihandy. <laughs> nutshell i think it, i think it went great this was a blast yeah you know what you know what i didn't do what prepare puns oh shit. so now so welcome so, to my world mother liquor <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do uh puns uh a la carte here that's absolutely fine um i guess i should then just say puns <laughs> <laughs> So there is a uh, a story. It was actually uh, originally about a uh, a member of the Confederate military. Oh no! And um, over over the years since the end of the Civil War, uh, the stories of his exploits were were magnified and retold and retold until he became something of a folk hero, especially to uh, people who really enjoyed uh, the the War of Secession and and things like that. They were super into Confederacy uh, garbage trash stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, the problem was that later on it was determined by historians that um, his wife had an affair on him. Oh, no. Yeah, and that, uh, and so all those fans of his turned on him instantly were just swearing up his name. It was the cursing of Colonel Cuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did it. I took their words and I used them against them. <laughs> for the purposes of a dumb joke. What do you got? Okay, okay. Wow. <laughs> uh all right. I, I I'm going to I'm going to cobble one together here terribly. Uh there was uh I don't know, early 1900s. Mm-hmm. There was a a couple of gals out driving and they got caught in a storm and their car broke down so they ran to a an old house. Looked like somebody might have lived there, but Nice. Could maybe maybe not, but the door was unlocked, so they got inside, and they noticed that there was a lot of books everywhere. Uh, looked like someone of learning lived there. Nice. And in fact, they saw someone standing there uh, at a fireplace, soaking wet. Looked like they had a very nice like a, a jacket on, like pants, uh, uh, glasses, you know, uh-huh. pipe. Looked like a, a, a pretty learned person. And uh, they heard a sound, you know, outside, and they turned to look. And then when they turned back, the, that that person was just gone. They didn't know what was going on. What? Well, they spent the night there. And the next day, they drove into town, and told somebody about it. Well, they said, "Yeah, that was the that was the house of the old professor that lived there, but he he died on a sea trip. Like he he died years ago. This is out, a terrifying its, story. Lost at sea. Such a such a terrifying length to a pun. Shut up. Not a background. Wait. I'm scared. All right. I'm terrified. You're making it longer yeah. by not shutting up. <laughs> <laughs> not wrong. Not wrong. Not sorry. And they said that they said, "Oh, what color was the jacket?" And they were like, "Oh, it was a greenish color." And they were like, "Yeah, that that color only comes from corpses that are wearing sea tweed." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, oh, oh right. man. Now you go so I can think of another one. Did you know, do you remember back in the 90s? Um, there was that really tragic story about the, uh, the two young promising hip hop artists who ended up uh, going insane and slitting people's throats. No. Yeah, it was it was terrifying because slit throats will make you jump jump. It was the uh, the the daddy Mac Tolliver, <laughs> and then there was also uh, the Mac Cam Revelat. Slit throats will make you jump jump. That's it. All right, I've got one. I've I've got something a little similar. <laughs> Um, it's, it, it was when, uh, uh, a guy died in an alley in Whoa, New York. Shit. Yeah. I mean, the police found the body and they were like, oh, hello, nasty. <laughs> <laughs> they decided the guy was killed by no body movement. <laughs> oh, ain't no sounds when the sound so soothing. Yep. That he was, was, he was killed by an A1 sound. That's awesome. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because I heard that there were rumors that, that it was actually because of sabotage. <laughs> actually, actually, the guy the guy died because he got no sleep till Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, here's, here's the most important things that you guys should know. First of all, oh. we are marching ever closer to the second Thilda. We're what, like 22, 23 away, something like yeah. that getting so close to that thank you so much for that please keep giving us those five star reviews keep liking us on facebook following us on twitter do all those things but i want to devote the majority of our time now uh let's just off some other stuff just it off for one episode and let's talk about dark mark soloff he is in jail again and he needs our help (laughs) once again his wild way wily ways have landed him in the pokey and there's a reason they call it that same reason they call it the slammer. Jeez. Oh, hey, Same hey. reason they call it the hole. <laughs> he is not in jail, but he has exiled himself to Writer's Island. <laughs> uh, New York. Yeah, this, this is getting easier as it goes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Mark Soloff uh, has written a book, a glorious book, called The Silent Scream of Melania Trump. Uh, it's available currently for uh, pre-order at inkshares.com. And uh, the the book itself uh, is described as The Wizard of Oz meets the Grey. Hunted across a Japanese hellscape, a desperate first lady must face murderous zealots, crazed abominations, and unholy magic to gain an audience oh, with the Shogun. But when speaking the truth spreads a literal plague, is resistance worth the cost? Find out by pre-ordering. Yeah, the silent scream of Melania Trump. If you enjoy blurry photos, then there's no way in hell you do not enjoy Mark Soloff of Muff Movies and also his brilliant roommate, Dottore Bellordo, on Blaster Podcast. Uh, also, uh, if you enjoy Our Fair City, Mark wrote a bunch of those scripts. He's a brilliant writer. His work is hilarious. He's one of my favorite people in the world and one of the funniest guys I know. And damn you to hell if you don't support him i am going on the record pleading to the lord almighty to you up forever going hard in the paint yeah you know what it's worth it 
Now is the time. <laughs> uh, okay, maybe we'll leave the God part out of it. I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Also, uh, if he gets 250 pre-orders, it gets published. Boom. So pre-order. Also, if it's in the top three of horror books by Halloween, it wins their contest. Huh? So That's worth it. Help him win, win that contest. Please do. I know I'm going to. Because I want to see what she does in Japan. Yep. And that and that story, it covers a lot of the stuff we've covered in our podcast. There's some yokai action in He's there. It's got yokai in there. So, yeah, check it out. Funny, funny stuff. Pre, uh, pre-order. I'll put don't, the link in the show notes. Don't make me go to a church and ask for terrible things. Don't make that happen. Don't I'll do, do it. it. I will fucking do it. You'll do it. He knows a church. <laughs> he knows where a church is. I know where churches are, people. <laughs> I hope I don't know if that helps or hurts him, but I it was from the heart, Mark. Uh, as always, thanks to the Chicago Podcast Cooperative yes. and to, to Dark Myths. Go out, check out all the shows on all of those platforms. Great people, great stuff. I think that'll probably do it for us yeah. for campfire good ghost to me. stories. We've been we've been uh, jiving, jumping, and wailing for a while. Yeah, not necessarily in that order. No, no, we do but, it how we um, like it. You don't get to tell us. Sh- Everybody, am I just belligerent yeah, now? Yeah, you you've gotten to the belligerent drunk stage. <laughs> I just, I'm just looking to pick a fight with a stranger. Uh, <laughs> but everybody uh, at the Jack Slap level on Patreon has gotten to come along with us on this journey and watch how this this sausage has been made. And mm-hmm. thanks to everybody Horrified for into doing a that. Coma. Hope everybody had a good time, and uh, we'll do more of these uh, uh, fun, experimental, weird stuffs in the future for the yeah. live streams uh, i'm sure uh so make sure to get on that and we'll try to get, give you some heads up you know when stuff like that happens so exactly uh don't forget we've got a live show on uh, october 2nd monday night at the beat kitchen in chicago do you know that's my birthday is it really yeah so there you go uh, dave won't be there i won't that's, be there that is his birthday present <laughs> my birthday <laughs> present is that i'll be working uh i'm gonna be doing the show with Mark Soloff, the aforementioned, uh, infallible, yeah. indefatigable Mark Soloff. You have absolutely traded up in that scenario. <laughs> it will, it, from that point forward, everyone will be like, F-. so, so we got to go back to Dave. Is that it? <laughs> and so, uh, so it. we're going to be doing a, a blurry photober episode that night. It's part of the Chicago podcast festival. Uh, so yeah, come, uh, mark your calendars for that. Come see that. And uh, I think that'll do it then for this episode of Blurry Photos. I have been the fire starter, David Flora. And I've been Dave Stecco. I think I've been that Dave Stecco before. That's all right. Yeah. It's a good Stecco to be. I earned it tonight. Motorin. What's your price for a bike? Is it yet time to return? Hold your tongue, Thor! But I want to go! Ah, many's the time where I sat amongst the other gods as we did our battles through the seven realms of Midgard Niflheim. Father, I've heard it before. And now it's time you live it, Thor! Out here! 
under the stars with nothing but the trees to protect us. Ha 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 It's like living again. Nay, father. We have something yet to protect us. Mjolnir. I told you to leave it at home. I cannot, father. It is but a part of me. It is like a third arm. Or a third hand. Yes, perhaps oh. a second head. Am I not Odin, the spear bear? Oh, oh, but where's my spear? I left it at home. At your own peril, We father. made an agreement. Fine. How shall we pass the time then? Staring into a fire of many colors? Not unlike the Bifrost? <laughs> not at all. We shall tell tales while staring into the multicolored fires. Unlike the Bifrost. Uh, Heimdall is ready. I, I could go right now, father. It would only take but a moment. Heimdall, are you seeing this? Leave me out of it, guys. Curses, Heimdall. You know the rules. And the rules are, I make the rules, Thor. Now, present me with a tale of terror that you might unman me before this fire. Very well, father. I shall regale thee with a scary Thory. <laughs> Would you like to hear a Thory, father? <laughs> I can tell one of my patented Thories. Your clever wordplay has no place here. Oh. This is exactly why your brother's no longer invited. Speaking of which, have you that gift your brother Loki bestowed upon you? Of course I do, father. This can of magical effluence that would stay the mouth of biting insects. Yes, I have heard of this beast. His name is Mosquito. And he slakes the blood of every man in Midgard. Quickly, apply such a spray to yourself first. Nay, Father Holt. I am afeard this may be some foul trick by my brother. Then we should test it first. Ah! Into the flames with thee, foul trap! Ah! Yes, yes. Ah. Better that we have these burns on our forearms. Ah, the taste, father! Yes. Tis on my tongue and gives no inclination of departing. So tell me, you were worried that the the spray would somehow make us unhappy? Oh, yes. Uh, verily, verily, and, father. Uh, and Loki, so you threw it into the fire. Well, I was trying to beat Loki at his, at his own game. I mean... Uh, uh, had, had we applied it to our skin, perhaps it would have b burned or itched or caused, caused the biting insects to swarm en masse even more. And yet we shall never know. There was no label on that canister, was there? Father, let us let us return to storytelling. As... I don't think I'm quite done unpacking this yet, Thor. I mean, was the prank of Loki to have you administer a harmful unguent to your own skin? Or did he, knowing your countenance, anticipate your distrust of said canister, knowing you would hurl it into the nearest flames, thus ensuring his plan. Did you meet your destiny on the path you took to avoid it, my son? Loki! Yeah, I shall get us started. Take the, your mind off of your 
cursed tongue? Is it? Is that the yeah. worst part, or is it the, the burns upon your flesh? Yes, father. Okay. 1,900 years ago, I had been separated from the rest of my stalwart compatriots, heroes one and all. There I found myself at the bottom of the crags of Tyrus Law, bereft of armor, armed only with that small knife which your mother gave to me, only for opening our most erotic of literatures exchanged. Well, father, it's part of the story! We're going there, are we? There, I clad onlyest in the thinnest of loincloths. Oiled in my determination to yet persist and live. Nay, father, proceed not. She's oh. already harrowing beyond belief. But proceed I did, my son. And there, nestled deep in the cleft of a rock, did I come face to face with the foulest feline foe that ever I have fought? Oh, how it purred and mewed, trying to lure me into a false sense of security. "'Twas then that I pounced upon the beast, and thrusting over and over." "'Father, thou art mad, truly." "'Well, there was a lot of thrusting, but finally, exhausted, I was triumphant. Surely I had slain that foul beast. I drank from the cup of victory, and lo, it did sustain me until I was reunited with my stalwart companions, who, much like yourself, were in awe and terror at the ordeal which I described. I cannot blame them, father. I hope you shall never speak of this tale again. Mayhaps not. The memories are as painful as they are pungent to me. Father, please stop whilst thou art ahead. Well, then, you're... No, don't even go there, It's, it's your turn, then, if okay. you're so good at telling stories. Very well. Heimdall, do you remember that adventure I had? Not touching that one. Very well. Now, Thor, tell your story. All right, father. I shall begin my story <sighs> at the doors to the Hall of Valhalla. Wait, you're literally starting your story next door to our house. Father, it is full of dead warriors. What better place than a hall of the dead? Proceed. Well, father, strap thyself in. For yes. grip me with your tails. In the heat of midsummer, whilst all the dead warriors from Midgard feasted upon the never-ending boar and the never-ending mead, one night the mead ran dry. No cask was filled. Like, like none of them? None, father. Every cup ran dry. Oh. But then, then they didn't, right? Then it, they just refilled. Yes, yes, father. They, it, it, someone fell asleep amongst the runes and it did not recast the spell that night, but... It's Valhalla, everyone knows this. Father, it, it was it a harrowing un, it ordeal. It is no, no ordeal one when you know they'll do more. Drink. It is a never-ending feast, and if you do not have... Father, it would scare the life out of me if that were to happen. Think how you did twist and squirm in your discomfiture at the tale I told to you. Do you see me even twinge? Try again. Seek to unman me with your tales of terror. Very well. 
Um, nom, 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 nom. Ooh, let's see. Chick, 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 um. Oh, 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 very well, Father. I, uh, I have it. Once in the frosty, hoary depths of Jotunheim. Yes? As we faced down an army of frost giants. Yes. I had a sudden thought that chilled me even more than the hoary breath of a frost giant ever could. And the thought was this, Father. Did I leave Mjolnir at home in my room in Asgard? And then I, then I looked down and Mjolnir was in my hand and thankfully, thankfully the crisis was averted and we defeated the frost giants. Wait, 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 wait. Hmm? I seem to recall this day. Was it you who defeated the frost giants or did I show up and literally pluck you out of certain defeat? Father, the, what, I, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that I was, I was affrighted for my life. For, for just the, the... For just a few seconds. That, that as a I, warrior, for, you would it's, go to war without your weapon. Uh, yes, exactly, Father. You understand? No. No, no, no. But no. the fear there is of incompetence. You know what? It is almost as if you would uh, you leave home and, and get where you're going and then suddenly think that you had left the hearth on. Listen, we've all had the dream where you arrive at Alfheim to proclaim once again your absolute reign as ruler, only to find that you are not wearing clothes. This is just a version of that, but told as a scary story. It's okay. A story, father. Yes. A story. Yes. Yes, it should have its own name. Tell you what, let's just forget the scary stories and we shall, shall sing songs of victorious warriors to the stars. Very well, Father. I know just the one. I waited till I saw the sun. Do- oh. <laughs> Nora Jones! <laughs> Little <Lil'> King! <laughs>